What do you think of when you hear the word AIDS? When you hear about AIDS, what does that bring to mind? He has AIDS, or there's an epidemic of AIDS. No one can cure AIDS. What do you think about when you hear that word AIDS? Well, we know, don't we? We understand that. That word is actually an acrostic word uh, made up of the terms acquired immune deficiency syndrome, AIDS. We know about AIDS, don't we? Uh, and in fact, we worry somewhat about AIDS because you, know, you might have to have surgery and perhaps if you have surgery or get a severe injury of some kind, you might have to get a blood transfusion uh, and then, of course, maybe you are susceptible to AIDS. Uh, but of course, uh, we understand that uh, the word AIDS also is irrevocably linked with the sin of homosexuality. Still yet today, after all these years, 90 plus percent of all AIDS patients are males, male homosexuals and the disease is transmitted by the perverted sexual practices of those homosexuals. Today we want to talk about that and we want to talk about what might lead a person to go into such sin. And we're going to entitle our lesson this morning, A Matter of Preference and why some people prefer one thing and some prefer something else. We're going to discuss that in our lesson this morning. Before we get into that, let me stop for a minute to say thank you for being present. Uh, there are a lot of our own members who are traveling on this holiday weekend, but we have a lot of visitors too, so we're glad that you're here. We appreciate your presence very much. We certainly hope that when we have ended our time together this morning, we'll be able to say it was good for us to be there. We were blessed by our time together. Also, most importantly, we hope and pray that God is glorified by our service uh, this morning. What about homosexuality? What about this preference of homosexuality? i got to tell you something. I'm upset by all this. Um, Larry was mentioning in a Bible class, I think just yesterday, one of the chief uh, or one of the justices of the Supreme Court uh, officiated a, a marriage ceremony between two men. Same-sex marriage. We're hearing all about that. I'll tell you what, I'm upset about that. In fact, I am disgusted by it. I'm repulsed by it. I'm sickened by it. And I suspect that you would join with me in using those kinds of ex expressions. This homosexuality thing is not an alternate lifestyle. It's an unacceptable perversion. And we're disgusted by it. Now, someone says, hey, wait just a minute now, buddy. Hold on there a second. You're using some mighty powerful words there. Those are strong words that you're using. You're being very categorical and judgmental. Uh, it is, after all, that particular individual's preference. You have your preference. You have your likes, your dislikes. This is his preference. It's what he likes. He likes his homosexuality. And he can't help it, after all. Uh, and then we get into this very long discussion about why a homosexual person has that preference. For instance, when the question of why is brought up, uh, always genetics are discussed. Uh, he was born that way, or she was born that way, we are told. Now, there's been a lot of effort through the years to prove that homosexuality is an inherited trait, that, that, that you are, in fact, born that way. There have been a few extremely flawed scientific studies that are presented as proof of this notion that a homosexual is born that way. It has not been proved. 
I'm not satisfied that it ever could be proved, but certainly the studies that have been done to date have not proved that homosexuality is inherited. Well, someone else says, well, if it's not his genetics, maybe it's the environment that he was raised in, you know, and then there's some questions raised about the parents. Was there, was there a domineering mother? Was there a detached and uninvolved father? And so forth and so on. A lot of discussion maybe about, maybe this person turned out to be a homosexual because of the environment he was raised in. Or someone else says, well, actually it's a learned behavior. That a person becomes a homosexual because he is in contact with other homosexuals. I don't know, and I'm certainly not an expert in such matters, but I would have to believe that this is a lot closer to reality uh, because we know that homosexuals are very aggressive in promoting that form of lifestyle and they are recruiting people to become homosexuals all the time. So what is it? In other words, someone says, you can't be so condemning of homosexuals because they, this is their preference. And it might be that they were born that way. Or it might be that they're the victim of the environment they were raised in. Or, or maybe it's because they were in a peer group of a lot of people who were homosexuals. What about that? Well, I want to tell you something. Uh, I, I, I would be willing to grant that the person has this homosexuality preference. And it might be for any or all of those reasons that we just suggested. But bottom line is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why he has that preference or she has that preference. It doesn't matter. The fact is that regardless of whatever it was that produced that preference toward homosexuality in that individual, the practice of homosexuality is sinful and has to be avoided if a person wants to be right with God. Again, we're really going to be emphasizing the idea of the practice here. Notice, the practice of homosexuality is a sin. The preference or the inclination toward being homosexual is not a sin. The preference is not a sin. Get that. i got to stress that over and over again. The preference, the, the inclination is not a sin. Temptation is not sin. Right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even our Lord and Savior, the perfect Savior, Jesus, was tempted... I'm not saying he was tempted toward homosexuality, but he was tempted with sin. Temptation is not sin. But practice, the practice of homosexuality is sinful, and it cannot be allowed. In the text that Roger read for us earlier from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. It goes on to speak of those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in this passage, it speaks of, the, this is King James translation here, it speaks of effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind. If you were reading a newer English translation, it might read male prostitutes and homosexual offenders. That's, that, that's a little clearer, isn't it? We understand that a little more directly. And so definitely here, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10 say that you cannot practice the sin of homosexuality in a very explicit expression, denoting this sin. In Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. 
If you wanted a clear statement from the New Testament condemning the sin of homosexuality, there it would be. But, of course, it is the practice of the sin of homosexuality that we're talking about. And so, we get into this question of what a person's preference is. And the thing that's all in the news, of course, is this homosexuality. People have a preference. Some people have a preference toward homosexuality. Now, I think it's overstated how many people are involved in that. One of the recent studies I saw by the National Health and Social Life Survey said that among males in the United States, 2.8% are homosexual. Among females, 1.4% are homosexual. And I don't know why we have to hear about this in the news so much, because rel relatively minor numbers of people have that preference, but we have to acknowledge that some people have that preference. We can talk about why, but bottom line, it doesn't matter. You might be inclined that way, but you can't practice that sin. You see that? Isn't that very straightforward from the Scriptures? I hope that it is. But now, wait just a minute here. I want to tell you something. Homosexuals are not the only people who have a potential problem with their preferences. Think about that. The homosexual has a problem with his preference. He has to not practice what he prefers to do. But he's not the only person who might have a problem with preferences. We could talk about a heterosexual man who has the preference toward committing fornication. Now, this guy's a heterosexual man. He's definitely not a homosexual man, but he's got a preference too. He's definitely not a one-woman type of man. In fact, his preference would be to have an, a, a different woman continually. If he had his desire, if he had his way, he might be with a different woman every day. And I'm sad to say that there are some people in our world who live that way. And so here's not a homosexual person, but a heterosexual person. But he's got a problem with preferences too. And the question could be asked, why is he that way? Well, maybe he's that way simply because he likes it. So, that's what he likes. He really, he, he really is pleased to live that way. Certainly, there are a lot of societal influences pushing people in that direction in our day and time. Uh, sex and sex appeal is used to sell everything. If you watch TV or look at any publications, that's what is used to promote almost every kind of item that you might imagine. It's certainly very popular in our modern culture. Uh, someone says, well, the, the, the reason this guy is that way is he has a very unhappy home life. Maybe his wife is unaffectionate. Maybe she's a nag. He's just not happy in his home life. Well, you could go on. You might list a number of other reasons why this heterosexual man is tempted to practice fornication. Now, what about that? Well, it'd be nice if you could just push a button and the desire would be gone, but it doesn't work that way. The fact of the matter is, again, it doesn't matter why a person might be inclined to commit fornication. Whatever it is that's causing that preference in that person cannot be practiced if a person is going to be right with God. This person that we've just been describing is likely going to have to live with those kind of temptations. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to practice fornication. In the very same text that we were looking at a moment ago that condemned homosexuality, that very same passage condemns fornicators. Of course, homosexuality itself is a form of fornication. But all fornicators are among those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to tell you, the Scripture is even more specific in regards to these things. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. 
And so this person who has this preference that we're talking about right here, this preference toward maybe committing fornication, this person cannot even allow his thoughts to be preoccupied with that. And for that reason, we have to take the warnings of Scripture uh, against the influences of pornography in our culture, uh, against what we might allow ourselves to watch in TV or the movies or look at on the Internet. Because if you have that inclination, and of course this is the majority inclination, right? Very few people have the inclination toward homosexuality. The vast majority of people have a temptation toward fornication. And you can't practice that if you want to be right with God. You see that? You see how that works? That's, I, I don't think that's too difficult of a concept. Now some people seem to have some problem with that. It's not a, a sin to be inclined in a certain way. It's not a sin to be tempted in a certain way. But you can't practice the sin and be right with God. There are other examples. Here's a fella. He, he's inclined towards stealing. In fact, he would rather steal than work. You know? See, he, he needs some stuff. He needs, he needs some basic stuff. Maybe some food, some clothes, something else you know, for his basic life. And instead of going out and getting a job and earning his way, he's inclined to steal what he desires or wants. And someone could say, well, why would he do that? Well, maybe this fellow is on incredibly hard times. You know, he, he's hungry. He, he hasn't had anything to eat. He just hasn't got anything. He's on real hard times. Or maybe he uh, has been brought up and lived all his life in very deprived circumstances. This guy's never had two dimes to rub together, you know. He's always just been... Uh, so poor and had nothing. Well, what about that? Again, same point. Doesn't matter why he's inclined or tempted towards stealing. The fact of the matter is, as we well know, that he cannot steal and live a life of thievery and be right with God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. And so you can see clearly that here's a, here's a fellow with a simple uh, inclination. His preference is to steal rather than work. He can't do that, right? Or what about the fellow who uh, likes to drink? In fact, he drinks a lot. In fact, he's drunk often. He is what we know to be an alcoholic. Someone says, well, why, why is the drunk like that? Well, maybe lots of reasons. Certainly, uh, some young people are led into drinking because of peer pressure uh, there is an argument, and potentially, even, I think here maybe even closer to being proved, a genetic predisposition toward alcoholism. That, that's possible, I suppose. But again, we make the same point, it doesn't matter. Whatever makes a person that way, it doesn't matter. But you can't practice that and be right with God. And so, we know that passages like 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, condemn all forms of drinking, even so-called social drinking is condemned in 1 Peter 4, verse 3. For the time past of our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, and banquetings, and abominable idolatries. We talked before about three, three levels of drinking. Excessive wine, revelings, and banquetings. That last one, banquetings, is the one that I think condemns even drinking as, our, as we've come to know it, social drinking, you're just drinking in moderation uh, at a party or something. Even that is condemned in the Scripture. And so here's the person. He's inclined to drink. He loves it. He wants it. He's an alcoholic. What made him that way? Well, I don't know. 
Couldn't say for sure. We might have some indicators, but it really doesn't matter. He can't drink if he wants to be right with God. Let me add one more to this list, and then we're going to sort of change gears. How about abortion? What about abortion? Here's a, here's It's along about this point when we're talking about personal preferences that a person might have. Here's a woman who who speaks up to justify her abortion. She she prefers not to, to bear the child that's conceived within her. She prefers to have an abortion. Why? Well, if you listen to her, she's got her reasons, and she thinks they're pretty good reasons. For instance, she could say this was completely unplanned. This was an unplanned thing. I don't want a child, not now. This is not a good time for me. Uh, it, it's an unwanted child. Better, better for a child not to be born than to be born into an unwanted circumstance, they argue. Or maybe she's got career plans, you know. She, she wants to pursue a big career, and this child is just going to be a, a huge damper on her being able to pursue the career interest that she has. What would you tell her? Well, she says she has her reasons for preferring not to bear the child. She prefers to get an abortion. But wouldn't you agree with me? Again, it doesn't matter why she prefers that. She cannot kill that child in the womb. Romans chapter 13, verse 9, Thou shalt not commit, or thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. Excuse me, let me go back. Thou shalt not kill, and I think that's exactly what abortion is. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal, and so on it goes. You can't follow that inclination. You can't pursue that preference if you want to be right with God. All right. Now, I maybe have uh, pursued this uh, uh, so far as become tedious, but the point on all of these things is the same homosexuality, fornication, stealing, drinking, abortion. We understand people are tempted about all those things, right? People might have a preference to practice any one of those things, and we would tell them, we understand that you might be tempted, but you can't do it. Isn't that what we would say to them? All right, now I want to change gears just completely here to make one final point. And it may seem unrelated, but if you stop to think about it, I think the same thinking process is involved. What about the fellow who wants to attend the church of his choice? You know, that was a popular uh, uh, slogan a number of years ago. Join the church of your choice. And people have come to believe that I am free to have my own preference about religion. I can do what I like, what I prefer religiously. And I should be allowed to do that. And you shouldn't say anything about what I like religiously, what my preference is religiously. Well, why do I have this particular preference about the church of my choice? Well, someone says, well, I like that church over there because the people are just really, really friendly. They're the friendliest folks I know, and that's why I like to go there, because they are friendly. And another person says, well, I like the preacher. Uh, And speaking as a preacher, I like it when the people like the preacher, right? So somebody says, well, I like the preacher there, and I, I like to hear that preacher. I like, the, I like the way he preaches, and I'm going to go there because I like that preacher. Someone else says, I tell you, I like that church because they have really great programs for the young people. I can't tell you how many different times through the years I've been called on the church telephone, and people said, I'm looking for a church. Tell me what kind of programs you got for the young people. First consideration. What kind of programs you got for the young people? So people prefer this church or that one. 
because they have this great program for the young people. Bottom line, it's what I like. It's what I like. It's what pleases me. I'm going to choose that church because it pleases me. Now think about that a minute. Why would a person want to practice the church of their choice? Well, I've listed some suggestions there. You might be able to add to that list. But the same principle applies here as to everything else we've been talking about in our lesson this morning. Whatever it is that causes you to have that preference to choose something other than the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whatever it is that may be pushing you in that direction, it doesn't matter. If we want to please God, we've got to follow His will. Our preferences don't matter. We have got to obey Him. Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. That's that verse that we use to stress the importance of Bible authority for all our practices. Concerning our work here at College View, we often say we're trying to do Bible things in Bible ways. We want a book, chapter, and verse for all of our practices and teaching. We want a thus saith the Lord kind of authority for what we're doing. We believe that's the only right way to go, right? And although you might be able to find a church in this community that has better programs for the young people, uh, that has friendlier people, has a more pleasing preacher, Bottom line is, if we want to please God, we've got to be worshiping in a way that God authorizes. This verse commands it. 1 Peter 4, verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The church of your choice, although it seems a little bit odd to link it with these other things, we're talking, these, were, these are all moral questions, right? These are all questions of basic, inherent morality. But the mindset of the people who think they ought to be able to do whatever they want religiously is much like the mindset of people who think they should be allowed to follow their preferences in these matters of morality. And when you boil it all down, the simple fact of the matter is, if we want to please God, we've got to obey His will. We're not allowed to pursue our own personal preferences. We've got to submit to His will. Now, what's... What's also important to observe about that is the reason God has that will is because he knows what's in our best interest. Uh, he's, not, he's not trying to be a mean overlord. He's not trying to make it hard on us just to see if he can do it. God has put all of his laws and rules in place because he wants what's best for us. And if we are wise, then we simply submit and do his will, regardless of what we might be inclined or prefer to do. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. Hope it's been helpful. We're going to end the lesson with a song of invitation. If you're not yet a Christian, we urge you to submit your will to the Lord by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sin. If you've never done that, if we can assist you, we'd be glad to do that this morning. We'd be glad to study more with you. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to the Lord, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Who follows Jesus and then